Greetings and welcome to The Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman, and it is time to bring the orange once again with our special guest today, Kyle Keller, Principal Technology Strategist at Pure, a peer of some of our favorite guests, Andrew Miller and, uh, and J.D. Wallace. And now we're adding you into the mix. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I've owed you this. I think I told you two years ago, I'd, I'd, I'd get you a podcast and, and, and I've owed the debt. So it's great to be back. You are paying back. And I was going to bring it up if you did not bring it up first. So debt is fully paid now. And I am looking forward to this because you have a fantastic story. Um, for listeners out there, Kyle is one who was with Pure really at the, close to the beginning, right? 2014, yeah. I think. Yeah, 2014. Well, 2014 when you started. And so, you know, you were there in kind of the early Wild Westy startup days and as things evolved, but then what, about a year and a half, 18 months ago, you, you, you headed off, which is great, right? It's always good to go find new pastures and, and to see what is out there. What, um, what precipitated that decision? Well, I think a lot of things, you know, we were, you know, having been here early, a lot of things had changed over time. We started as a single product company and uh, I was lured by a lot of different things going on in market. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, there's, there's a lot more that maybe I could do in the data center for customers. And so I actually took a sales leadership role with one of our national partners and I ran, you know, that team for 16, about 16 months or so. And I'll tell you, one of the best things I've ever done because my team was just amazing. And so get, getting to work and, you know, know all those people were, you know, lifelong relationships. In fact, you know, one of the, one of the best parts about that transition and me being there was um, just before I had started, uh, we had hired on my team as a sales rep, somebody who was brand new to the industry, had done a lot of work and, and, um, and essentially the, like market of, how would I even say it? Um, charities basically you ran a charity and it was not amazing. Tech at all. And nothing yeah, tech. not tech at all, not nothing sales tech. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he and I really, we aligned very, very quickly and, and did a lot of stuff. And so I still mentor him today, which is, you know, one of the biggest blessings and he and his family are moving into a new house. It's really fun. It's really, really exciting. Um, but if I were to boil it down, you know, the one thing I miss the most were our customers appear. Yeah. And Every single day in that role, I couldn't work with customers. I couldn't wake up thinking about pure every single day, just because, you know, we had a lot of other things that we were working with. And, uh, I really, really, really miss that. And, and it was just a conversation one day with Mike Richardson and he's like, Hey, we need some help. What, what do you think? And here I am. So came back super excited to be back. The one thing I will tell you is super humbled to see how much has changed in that 16 months. Yeah. And that's I absolutely that mind bending. I know. And that's the theme. And I know we've talked and, and you've kept up with the steady drumbeat, if you will, of, of technological advances and changes and new products and features and tech. And so part of what I wanted to get across today, you know, whether you're a listener out there who's just tuning in for, for one of the first few times or a long time listener, what struck me when we talked just, you know, it was kind of a meet and greet when you, when you joined back at Pure and I was like, Hey, you know, KK is here. Awesome. Let's, let's call and catch up. And all of a sudden we went off on this jag on all these things that just happened in a short 14 or 15 month period, you were away, which is awesome. Cause now you're at the intersection of, of really the tech and the, and the customer and, and trying to really solve those problems. And you have all these things in your bag, but I wanted to go through 
today and spend, you know, spend a little bit of time on, on what are those things that were standout uh, additions to the portfolio or acquisitions, you know, we can roll into Portworks and what that means for you. And, you know, as sort of a seminal technologist around this space and having been at Pure so long and just massive depth and storage, I thought that would be kind of fun. So should we okay. do that? That's yeah, let's good. do it. Let's rock. Yeah. Sound good. Kind of, kind of dive in. Well, you know, before that, but background prior to Pure, I, I guess I always love everybody's journey story just a little, just, you know, helps with credibility, helps people know, you know, because right now everybody had you just start at Pure at 2014. Well, what, yeah, 2014. So prior to that, I was uh, six and a half years at one of the big competitors. Uh, they, they were acquired by a laptop company uh, okay. more recently in the last few years. But um, prior to me joining Pure, I was essentially a CTO in the Fed space. So DOD, CIV and intelligence agencies. Um, my first introduction to Pure back then, pre-2014, was a particular customer talking about the technology, a stateless software-based approach, hardware can come and go, um, data reduction, uh, numbers were insane, uh, performance was off the charts. And oh, by the way, it only gets better over time because you can non-disruptively up, non upgrade this, this architecture moving forward. And when I first heard these things coming out of the customer's mouth, it was, that's not possible. The portfolio yeah. I was representing was every one of those came with a performance tax and you didn't use those, those services or those data layer services because of that. Um, and architecturally pure was great. I started looking around, found pure, saw Diane Green, Frank Slootman, you know, Dietzen and, and the rest of the original board. And, and as luck would have it somewhat ironically, uh, a really good friend of mine came to pure. And that's when I met some of the sales leadership and three hours in the backside of a restaurant in Columbus, Ohio, we said, Hey, let's give this a shot. So I came home to the family, told my wife, uh, going to go to pure. And she's like, well, what do they do? And I told her, and she said, how many customers? And I said, zero. She said, how many partners? And I said, zero. So, yeah. you know, it was really fun. And my business partner, um, that joined pure alongside me was Michael Krieger. And so built a brotherhood with him and just, you know, able to go and humbly look back at, at that time. And now almost approaching seven years and look back at the number of team members here in the Ohio Valley, the number of customers, which is just the biggest really fun piece of all of that, um, was, was really, really cool. So prior to that, I was just, I was a customer. So enterprise architect, you know, really came from the exchange world was an old messaging guy all the way back to exchange five, five. So been through many, many, many roles and then made the shift, um, you know, just prior to, to joining to, uh, to pure. So yeah, really awesome. Great to be here and, uh, great to come with some different visibility too, after the last 16 months, seeing how things have been done in the market. It just revalidated to me, how foundational and important the original Genesis of Pure has been. And it only gets even more strong as, as, as days go on. Well, what I love, and, and you made this point, is the more things change, the more they stay the same as well, right? I mean, we can bring out new tech and we bring out new features and new value, but you hit on some of the core tenets of the offering, right, of the solution that, that haven't changed, right? The ability to stay always modern, the, the data reduction that still blows everybody else away, and even you, you alluded to it, but not directly, but I would love to, you know, get into that. Maybe that would be the last one that we hit on is just around the culture, right? The culture and the leadership. And certainly while we've changed a lot of the leadership over, over the last, you know, 18 months to two years, I haven't yet talked to anybody where 
the the core culture and and what's been preserved over time and the spirit that's here and customer first, partner first, all those things still is in play. I, have you noticed that? I mean, you've been oh, back it's, it's a month or so. Well, it's let me, same, let's, yeah? let's just let's just go there because I think go there now. Let's do that I think first. it's important. So I'll give you a very tactical example. I won't mention any names or anything yeah. like that. But you know, one of the things that you know our leadership team has always said is every day when you wake up, think of yourself as the CEO of Pure Storage in your territory. You know, if you're on the sales side or or if you're in marketing, how am I going to scale and grow? You know, grow the company. Um, and and really, we've always been empowered to make those decisions, right? And and we're responsible for our decisions. But I'll give you a case in point. You know, one of our sales teams recently got a phone call on Father's Day, and it was a really really bad day for an account that was not a pure storage customer. And that SE and AE made two calls, and that customer had technology from Pure on the floor the next day, like ten out. Well, not even the next day. It was ten hours later. And, and and a lot of that is about customer first and, and the ability to move, always having the customer's best interest in mind. But that even goes into the technology whereby they needed something very, very quickly because they're having a very, very bad day, right? Won't go into the details of what those are, yeah. but they called their current providers and no one was picking up the phone on, on the weekend. And the other side of it was the one that did said, hey, we can get you something maybe in a week. And so architecturally, this goes back to how the technology is assembled, how it's built and how we have essentially created a Lego like architecture that these aren't bespoke one offs that have to go through. Right. We can pull the parts and build what the customers need in very short order and, you know, build that trust. I mean, I think that customer will forever remember those days and and that's their first experience with pure like that's amazing and 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 i bring that up because the SENA have that power they can yeah. they can make those calls and oh by the way our teams internally are going to pick up the phone that we only know that that's a bad day for someone on the weekend on father's day uh, actually it was the day before but you know that's super super important right just really awesome just one example um of the can do and everybody has the opportunity to put their fingerprints on something at pure and we do that every day, right? I mean, I want people to go away from this sounding like, oh, well, that was just one Sunday. Uh, and it's not like an ambulance chasing exercise, right? I mean, we, we, we typically are there when there are problems to present what we can do, but, you know, our, our, those, those customers or those, those that are having problems can take it or leave it. Right. I mean, it's, you know, here's what we think we can do. Here's how we think we can help and we can solve the problem. And let's just say in a majority of those cases, they, they move forward and, and it's a good experience. And then we start establishing, you know, a long-term relationship, which I guess leads me to ask, you know, when you went away for the 14 months, you, you spent a lot of time prior to that, on enterprise are many of those same enterprise, like when you came back, did you reconnect with some of those same enterprises that you'd worked with before and how have they been progressing on their peer journey? Anything stand out? Yeah. So I, I, I actually cover half the country today with Andrew Miller as a partner, right? So he and I, I we always call it co-piloting um, the Northeast and Southeast. So they're somewhat newer territories for me. I'd mostly focus in the central U.S., um, but ironically, or not so much, you know, as I came back, all of my email, my email still the same. It's Kyle at Pure Storage and all my customers are paying in. And, um, but there are customers that are having questions. They're doing implementations. And so I've actually re-engaged on a few of those accounts just because I know the team and I know their mission and I know their environment and, and all of that. So that's been really, really good. Um, but a lot of them are looking at new things, like things that didn't exist before, right? Ransomware protections and other things that have come into purity on um, both Flash Array and Flash Blade. So they're looking at new, new ways to maybe solve new problems, um, which are, which are great. Uh, but you know, it's, it was interesting. You know, I, I'll give you one example. One of the coolest things we did while I was gone, it happened to be a pure 
pure deal. Um, but it was a net new logo for my team and it was a net new logo for pure. And we never met the customer in person. We did three POCs around the globe and we modernized their, their converged infrastructure stack completely remote, never met them. We did active cluster. So synchronous replication, we did HADR, um, HA disaster avoidance, essentially across multiple data centers within a geographic region, um, all kinds of greatness. And then they adopted in, in, in scale and in mass. And that was a lot of fun. And that started over a zoom in the middle of March in Ohio. It was awesome. So, um, you know, really cool. But again, the pure technology, we can do that. We can even do those installations remotely. And so really clever, really unique, um, but more so really fun and exciting to see the giggles and smiles on people's faces as they see what you can do. It's pretty fun. Yeah, those are those are really the fun things, right, that, that come out of that kind of deployment or where, you know, you hear that, uh, you know, somebody's gone back to retest, Right. We get that quite a bit. Like, no, 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 that, that result can't be possible or that, you know, we were, we were seeing this bandwidth or this level of performance. And now it's at such a high, you know, it's such, so much better that that can't be possible. We, we need to go retest that. Those are, those are always fun. And those are great, right? That, that's really validating that what we say we do, we actually, you know, can do, um, you know, with the product. What, um, over the time, and we're going to, it's be a common theme for everybody listening. Cause I, you know, I love getting their perspective when, when uh, Kyle was away, let's start with, with flash array and you go back to the days of the beginning, right? The FA dash, you know, 400, all, you know, number, I won't go through all the number, numbers that were there effectively same product, right? Just yeah. improved and, and made better over time. But during your time away, what, what were the things that stood out? What were the hallmarks of, of the FA portfolio? that was, that was interesting to you. All right. So there's a lot, I'm going to start with the original, <laughs> the original side for me, the devices we were selling when I joined, you know, our, um, we were SSD based, obviously a lot of this changed while I was still here originally, but you know, our, you know, we were selling 256 gig devices, you know, SSD form factor, throw them in, you know, we had these little small data packs and, you know, it was a node-based architecture. And to your point, we got into the hardware business. Uh, we started, you know, basically specking and building Pete Kirkpatrick and the rest of the team, Bill Serrato, were building essentially the flash rate and and we went through that transition, no customer left behind. Um, I personally got to do that in data centers for customers with my hands on keyboard. And, you know, they're running, you know, 3000, 4000 concurrent VDI sessions in a health system. And I'm doing an NDU at 10 PM on a, on a, on a Tuesday, the director and the entire staff are all watching a movie and, and no one knows what we're doing. Right. That was really, really cool. But fast forward to today, you know, it's a different product line, you know, in a different cost optimized space, but we got into the business of, DFMs and direct flash and eradicating SAS as a communication, you know, backplane in our, in our arrays. Again, no, no customer left behind. You can modernize and get there non-disruptively, but like today on flash or AC, we're at like 49 terabyte QLC devices for our cost optimized platform. That's, that's, insane. Right. And that's where we're actually taking, you know, the, the raw flash die and putting that into a DFM that we manufacture and we can, you know, control the quality of service. And we maniacally measure that down to the die through things like pure one really cool. Um, but what was aha to me were all the big ideas. So again, in a prior role within pure, very close to PM and engineering, and I'm super humbled by what they all do on a daily basis. Uh, on the FA side, a lot of big ideas that we had things like what we brought to market called active DR. So active cluster, I was very early in with one of my premier accounts in, in, in my territory, they were super early alpha beta, you know, we were, you know, blowing it up, finding bugs and they never put it in production in this sense, but they were really helping us to 
develop the product, um, which was awesome. But then there were big ideas on, hey, how could we, and that was synchronous replication, right? We started with async, we went to synchronous, but then we had a gap. And that gap was things like near synchronous. How could yeah. we get, you know, sub maybe a minute and to see active DR come to market and it's four commands to set up. It's as simple as it could be. Like it literally is just amazing. Like, so that came to market things like NVMe over fabrics for front end host connectivity. It's a reality today. Um, you know, so, Oh, safe mode is a great example. Yeah. yeah. Leveraging just basic core uniqueness to pure snapshots. Um, not everyone knows this, but if you do something bad on a flash array, the flash array wants to keep you out of jail as an administrator or as an architect. And if you do something destructive or could be bad, cause and the rest of the team said, you know what, we should take a protective snapshot and we'll do that automatically behind the covers. And then if they didn't mean to truncate that volume, they could recover. Or if they didn't mean to delete that volume, you know what, we'll have a snapshot prior to the work that they did. We'll keep it for 24 hours. And that created this eradication timer. Well, you know, we had the markets changed. And so a lot of customers were running into to ransomware. So we essentially said, Hey, there's a big idea here. We can change the way purity handle this. We could set in tune an eradication timer. And then we can put a process in place to validate our customers that they can't minimize how long those snapshots are kept for, and they can't delete those snapshots. And so if they're a target of ransomware, Right. They're going to have a very rapid way to recover if those primary volumes were to be encrypted. And so those are some just really cool things that were just generationally ideas that came to market. Obviously, you start talking about the platforms. The one thing you get used to is, you know, the X, the XR2s, the XR3s, and, you know, you continually see this. And so, I, again, it's just a proliferation of the array is the worst it will ever be for you when you install it. It only appreciates in value after that. Yeah, yeah. And it's also interesting you know, with something like safe mode that something that was and, and causes beat me over the head on prior podcasts to use the word intuitive, not simple, um, but intuitive, but something like the, you know, the eradication mode snapshot, then being able to be repurposed for another problem. But initially it was just something intuitive that said, okay, this is a safety valve that, you know, we need to have in case somebody does something really bad. And then, oh, wait, now we have this ransomware thing. Oh, we, you know, we can just apply it to that, right? And I mean, it was an intuitive thing to begin with, but now has more broad applicability. And that's that's what I love as uh, the way that the way that things evolve from a, from yeah. a future standpoint. And I would say too, the CompuVert acquisition that we yeah. made, and then now bringing, you know, files to, to FA as well for a true unified platform treaty it as a first-class citizen, which is going to be great. We're not done, right? Yeah. And we're in that process and we're in that journey and we'll continue to focus on that and continue to engineer around that. But, you know, again, I go back to a customer in Cincinnati. I, I brought one of our earliest employees in and one of the first questions from my, my champion at the customer is, when can you help me with my file problems? Mm -hmm. Bring the pure experience to file. And we're like, we're just, we're just not there yet, but we are actively on that path. And uh, I can't wait to see, you know, what the next 18 months bring, because I think you're going to be pretty excited what you see. Yeah, continuous innovation. Um, Semi-controversial, I'm going to rewind a little bit to when you mentioned Flash Array C and QLC um, and, and having been in and around storage for the decades that you have. How, how and where should disk even still be used, right? To the economics and the performance and the value of QLC, as well as an enterprise experience delivered by Purity, should that negate any usage of disk or there's still gonna be outliers? I, I'm sure there are, right? Or, or people will be stubborn, but... I'm the wrong guy. I'm the wrong guy to ask because I was the guy who believed in the all flash data center in 2014 when all the competitors were yeah. like the guys in orange are nuts. It's not going to be an all flash data center, but guess what we're seeing? 
we're seeing this become a reality. Um, QLC is not something that's easy to bring to market from an engineering perspective. You know, I, I would, I would point people to Pete Kirkpatrick's um, session that I think he did last year on a storage tech field day. It's amazing. He talks in depth on what you have to think about as you take something like QLC into, into your environment. How do you deliver resiliency? How do you deliver performance? Because one of the things we saw over time with, you know, um, you know, SLC to MLC to mm -hmm. TLC, it was a pretty linear performance curve. So it went from, let's say microsecond to 1.2 millisecond response times. So like it was, it was essentially a linear progression. When you got to QLC, it was like, 10 plus milliseconds. So how, okay. how do we handle that with impurity, how we receive data, do data reduction, and then obviously our pipeline and flush uh, from the NVRAM down to QLC. There's a lot of that, but also how we read data. There, there are new concepts in QLC called read disturb that you need to be aware of. And you know, you need the analytics in those end devices too, through things like pure pure one. Yep. So we've got 30 second, you know, telemetry data on these things. And we trend not only just the modules and the arrays, but down to the individual, you know, flash device and cells themselves. So that's really cool. We have had, and so that's, that's another big excitement point for me. Uh, QLC came out of the, well, I think one of the big customers, but one of our largest customers in my backyard said, Hey, we have like 15 petabytes of tier two space, but we just can't, we, we love your flash array. You've changed yeah. our business yeah. and we, but we can't for these particular workloads, it doesn't make sense financially for us to be able to do it. So what Pete, Bill Serrata, the rest of the engineering team on the hardware side, were able to bring us through QLC and flash tray C was, you know what, now we have a cost optimized all flash tier that we can deliver consistent performance in that four to say, call it five millisecond response time. So it's not an, F, an FA, a flash ray X, but in those workload environments, we can still deliver a cost optimized tier for customers at tremendous scale. I mean, we're talking in nine U five to one, you could be at like 7.2 petabytes of capacity. Yeah. It's massive. Yeah. It's mind bending stuff. Right. Right. So really, really, really cool stuff. But I mean, I'm not going to say it's completely dead. Um, you know, we, there are still some things we got to the industry, us maybe, uh, figure out, um, I don't know. Tape's still around too. I was just going to say that <laughs> so I was going to go next. Right. Cause my, you know, my prior prior company, very large database company that acquired very large server company. Um, you know, we, we also acquired a tape company as part of that. And there were astounding examples of really large entities on the planet that were secretly buying tape archive. Yeah. Because again, because of the economics and because of the power and the energy and the, you know, this is stuff we got to keep forever, but I don't want to, you know, spend the money to put it on something that's enterprise or even, you know, tier two ish, right. Or even hybrid, right. It's just, you know, stick it on tape and forget about it. Um, so yeah, I, stuff will always linger on. I was just curious on that one. And yeah, since you were a believer in the all flash data center seven years ago, it's a, it's a little bit of a loaded question. Uh, let's, let, let's pivot over to, to flash blade. We've given good, good time on your thoughts on, on flash array. And, and again, since you started in 2014, you were, you know, sort of at the genesis of how and where flash blade came about and the kind of the concept behind it. Um, talk a little bit about that. And then, and then what you've seen over the last year and a half there, that that's really interesting for you. Yeah. So flash blade, big fan, you know, different, obviously nothing new to your listener, but your listener base, but a different design constraint, you know, or a different design idea, right? Scale out, you know, massive bandwidth. Uh, initially the idea was, Hey, let's build a, 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 an amazingly fast object and file platform 
uh, with the primary thought and concept of, you know, the next generation and new stack application sets. So think analytics, think pipelines, CICD pipelines, think yes. about, you know, places where you just want to point to a namespace and you just want, you know, you just want this thing to, to chew the data. Um, and, and, and no question that, that awesome. Awesome. But we had customers who were like, wait a minute, I have this, I don't have a backup problem, but I absolutely have a restore problem. And, and yeah. I was here, we, we said timeout. No, 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 no. You don't buy Flashblade for something in a backup stack. But I'm going to tell you, we have financial organizations that literally went all in and replaced their target-based deduplication appliances with Flashblade. Why? Because of the ever-changing threat. One of their biggest concerns was if we have to restore in mass, if we got nailed with ransomware, it's just one tactical example, mm -hmm. we could have one of our really great partners, Commvault, writing down to you know, that target-based deduplication appliance. The problem is when you do random reads and the rehydration on that, that is the slowest thing you can do. So they were immediately thinking, hey, synchronous technology doesn't protect us because if I get ransomware, guess what? I'm synchronously writing my encryption across the wire, right? And so customers really started to think about the fence in depth and recoverability and time matters. And so if the bad day and the worst day happens, and a lot of our organizations of, of these customers are, are top targets, you know, the FBI reaches out to them and talks to them directly and says, hey, you are target number one, you are target number two as an industry, mm -hmm. and you need to be thinking about all of these things. And so initially it was like, no, 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 it's not, it's not for that. And then we saw this massive uptake and the customers have been so excited about it. And so, you know, that reduction in restoration speed allows them to have some belt and suspenders, right? There's, yeah, yeah. there's safe mode on, on, on flash array, but, but being able to do that on um, the early days, it was just a single chassis, 15 blades. Now we're, you know, scale inter interconnect up to 10 chassis, you know, 150 blades, give or take roughly a gigabyte a second per blade. And, you know, we're seeing this and, and it becomes truly the data, the data platform for multiple uses, throw your security SIM, you know, analytics data at, at the array, throw your backups on this thing. Um, there is a problem with Flashblade. And that's just generally the bumps along the way or the networking side. And I'm not blaming network people, but you, I mean, the, there's a lot of plumbing that has to take place. This thing is, as I've always told customers in the early days on flash array, you know, if you squeeze the balloon, you put a flash array in the early fiber channel environments, we were going to showcase maybe or highlight some new challenges in the fabric yeah, yeah. whereby, you know, historically, maybe the storage array was the slowest thing, but you start to remove that contention there's an upstack optimization and we're seeing it now on the networking side as well, you know? So, um, but we continue to grow and scale and flash blade replication and just, you know, the use cases are expanding. Um, the capabilities are expanding. So it's, it's been awesome. So it's been a really, really great story. Yeah. I always get tickled and I'm, I'm glad you went there about the, the mix of different use cases, right? I think that that's where the real value of Flashblade shines. And I'm not going to, you know, say that having really fast restore and just using it for that is one thing. But when you start adding in these ITOA or security ops analytics, and then all of a sudden there's, you know, there's restore being done on top of that or other use case, right? I think the the mixed use case, and that's really, I think, why we're trying to define the, the you know, unified fast file and object, the UFFO, because it, it allows us to talk in terms of that blend or even, you know, other, other things that maybe we don't even talk enough about here around, you know, high performance computing or EDA, right? And maybe we don't talk about EDA as much, but we had great success in EDA. And partly just because there's not as, I mean, there used to be hundreds of chip companies and now there's like 12, right? So, you know, but 
you know, of the ones that are out there, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to say that we're not engaged or that they're not using um, Flashblade just because of the value that they see in, in, you know, running their simulations, running their chip designs and, you know, having a robust platform, but also one that can return results really fast for them, which speeds up their cycle time and gets them to market faster. I mean, that's the whole idea there. Yeah. So, so the other thing that I saw when I was gone, which I thought was really cool, was just some of the OEM partners that we've been working with very, very closely. As you think about Flashblade, so Flash Recover is a Cohesity and Pure, you know, partnership. Uh, we support that end to end. But what's really cool about that, especially in the largest enterprise accounts, is we're seeing that ability to disaggregate that solution. So, you know, the simplicity and, and all the things that customers love about the Cohesity platform, they can use all of that. But instead of having just, you know, a, a mass aggregation of nodes, which, you know, over time in the largest of enterprises can create, you know, hey, how quickly can I recover? Well, we can, we can start to address that on their behalf, right? So you can scale now with Flash Recover, your compute and your, you know, your target, you know, capacity, tier uh, independently, which has been really, really cool. And we're starting to see that move. And that's been interesting as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna shift gears a little bit because <clears throat> I'm interested to see how this works in with, with the current conversations that you're having and, and just the excitement around it or at least the momentum behind it, but pure as a service, right? So when you left again, 14, 15 months ago, um, I think we hadn't rebranded or we had, I don't know. It was ES2, right? It was so, ES2. It was ES2 yeah. and it was kind of, you know, an extension of Evergreen, how it was positioned. And I'm really happy it was rebranded. And and ultimately what we've done with the design and, and the Evergreen concept completely enables us to successfully offer, you know, an as-a-service subscription-based model that is not financing. You know, it's not smoke and mirrors, it's it's legit. What do you want? What's your capacity? How do you think it's going to grow scalably, you know, flexibly move up and down? Um, before you left versus now, what, what's the level of engagement or excitement? I mean, is it like every every conversation you're having now that comes up, at least they're kicking tires or or just some of the time, or, or is this, everybody is really interested in this? So far, I've only found one customer vertical that it doesn't really aligned to. And that's the energy vertical. They're okay. very, they're very OPEX averse for a lot of different reasons around regulatory Interesting. Uh, okay. uh, compliance rate, mm -hmm. you know, rate calculations and things like that. So they're by definition, I say that, but that can always change overnight. Right. I mean, that just, that's, that's an executive decision and, you know, but historically in the biggest of the energy providers out there, um, think of people who energy, you know, generation, transmission, last mile type organizations. Outside of that, everybody loves the idea and the conversation. Yeah. But what I would say is, yes, we, it was a big idea. And I don't know that he was the biggest idea, but when, when Michael Krieger and I were running as a sales team together, he actually went out and worked with some external financial organizations to start to put some of these models together with customers. And it wasn't PaaS, but we really were trying to give them an operational approach to, you know, how, how they could consume it. Um, and a lot of those customers still spent the CapEx and just did it in a traditional <laughs> model. So much of this comes down to, again, I'm going to, I always harp on this architecture and the tooling to enable the business consumption model. And what I mean by that is we have a, an array that can change. It can get bigger. It can get smaller right? It can change media types. I can have multiple types of, of flash devices next to each other. So as a provider of an, as a serve, a true consumption model and as a service to the, to the end customer, architecturally, our arrays can do this. The other side of it is we have 30 second telemetry data. So we can see, you know, at a customer level, 
you know, what their host written, you know, amount of capacity is. And we can pull that and meter that X number of times per day. We can average those over time. And then we can throw those out to a customer on a, either a monthly or quarterly look back, um, which is awesome. And that tooling, I think to this day and age is still extremely unique in the market. So just like the hyperscalers are, you know, billing their customers on utilization and things like that, there's a big tooling aspect that comes into it. But then I'm gone for 16 months. Yeah. Now I come back and Ralph Ronzio is sharing everything that he's built. You know, he's the voice obviously of this, but the teams and engineering and Pure One have built around the service catalog, um, being able to go out and, and request expansions to my PaaS environment. And oh, by the way, when the pandemic hit, there were some tremendous partnerships with new customers in a PaaS model, because again, we could get the technology to them very, very quickly. And they didn't need to capitalize that and they can pay for what they're using as they see fit. And it's fitting extremely well for customers saying, hey, we have to be in cloud in three, three years. Great. Do not capitalize this. Why don't you go into a PaaS? We can do it as, as small as, say, a 12-month you know, contract. If you're in it 100% migrated in the enterprise in 13 months, might be a little surprised. But if you are, no problem. Dial it down. Yeah. You don't, you don't own title. Congratulations. It's awesome. And so that's just such a great conversation. And oh, by the way, across the entire portfolio, FA, like Flash Array X, C, Flash Blade, tremendous. But also we have customers that are saying, hey, in Azure or C, you know, or uh, AWS, maybe I want to extend this to the cloud block store. And you can you know, transfer that consumption model uh, there. And we could go down a whole nother rat hole on, on, on some of the value that Cody and his team are now focused on with cloud block store. But it's just, it's a, it's a massively powerful conversation. And, and I always said, if we didn't demo Pure One in a meeting with a customer, that was, was what I always, I always believed, that the meeting didn't really take place because Pure One is very, very special. Um, yeah. it's, it's a tremendous you know, visibility plane. And now it's really about, in addition to that, if we aren't talking about PaaS, we're not doing our customers the, the, the service that we should. And so I, I just see tremendous growth and I think it is the future. I really do. Yeah, really, you know, you highlight Pure One and PaaS and, and they're really, I don't know, they're really to the hallmark of Pure that it's about the experience, right? I mean, it's not about the, the product or the feature or the widget. I mean, those all, those all are things that come with it and, that, and that's fine, but ultimately we all know everybody's looking for an outcome, right? Or they're looking for peace of mind or they're looking to just, have that deep insight and that knowledge in order to run their business better, but without having to turn, turn knobs and push buttons and, you know, and do, you know, crazy mechanical things that may be of the past. And again, of course, there's people that are going to want to keep doing those things and that's fine. Hey, you're, you're Mr. Or Mrs. DBA and you want to go mess around with, with indexes and, and, you know, screw around things like that, then go for it. But you know, come, come look at this storage solution and, and we can eliminate all those things you need to do. It is interesting. Yeah. If you didn't show pure one, it's not a meeting. Yeah. I get that. There's, there's just, there's so much power there and, and just so many really, really cool things. And, you know, service catalog is just the beginning. Well, and, and again, another really cool, exciting thing. It was always a big idea that, you know, Mike Richardson, myself and Farhan would talk, talk about, and this, this goes years back. Uh, we did a lot of work early on with Pure One around um, workload. I'll call it um, what if scenario. So I have an array, and if I take it from a 400 series array and I make it an M70, or if I have an M70 and I make it an X70, what would that look like? And putting that power in the customer's hand so that the partner SE or the Pure SE didn't really need to go pull performance, you know, metrics and things like that. It was great. I could like, hey, if I bought this. 
because I'm bringing in all this new workload. Look how much, like I can, I can scale this. This is, this is really great. And that grew over time to do workload. What if like, Hey, take this, take this particular volume. And what if I scale it three times? What would that do to my existing array? Customers love that. Like we just put the power and it just, I don't want to say simplified, but it, it literally just eliminated work for them. I mean, that those were big problems to solve originally. Well, now fast forward to today, if you watch like Ralph's more recent, you know, releases on, um, on YouTube, now we're doing recommendations on workload placement. So I can right. look at, you know, volumes and then it will in interrogate, you know, through peer one and across, if I have a fleet of arrays, Hey, this is actually going to be really great workload on these two arrays. That's a really interesting data science problem that the team has been working on for a really, really long time. And that's great. If you want to rebalance and, and do that stuff, it's awesome. And so customers are really appreciative of it. And, and I think they're using it. It's pretty awesome. Well, and we're doing it based on real data, right? I mean, it was their uh, data, their data. Yeah, you're doing it on their data and the data that everybody trusts us to use. But I, you know, I go back three years and at one point I was trying to build an artificial, you know, mixed workload simulator, right? I was taking data, general, you know, relational databases and maybe VMs and adding in a few other things. And I was going to go out and spend a lot of money on behalf of the company to go create an artificial thing that we could stick on web that people could go in and put in their various scenarios and then kind of get a, a, a readout and the word got through to Farhan and he sets up a meeting with me and he goes, yeah, you don't, you don't need to go spend this money. Well, what do you mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I got you. And actually better, better than what you're going to try to do. It's based on the actual <laughs> telemetry data that we're pulling from pure one. I'm like, how do you do that? And he's like, ah, don't worry about it. But, you know, we know over time, like we can identify, oh, that's a, that's a SQL server thing. Oh, that's an Oracle. That's a, you know, and, and sometimes we get SEs that can tell us to verify, but once we get the workload pattern down, we, we know what it is. And so I always kind of chuckle, you know, when I hear about this whole thing coming out, cause I was going to go spend a lot of money to create a simulator and well, I didn't have to. And now we have something that's even better than what I was looking at doing. And yeah. even the initial instantiation of, you know, of the workload simulator, now it's legit planning. It's, you know, all those what if scenarios and, and people are using it. It, it is powerful. Well, yeah. You bring up a really interesting idea and that was great to, to get to where we are today. If the workload's on pure, but what if the workload's not on pure? And so that, that pattern tonistic, um, you know, workload identification, there are 16, I think, I think it's 16 predefined workflows based on Farhan and the rest of the team's work that they identified this. This is what typical. And again, this is, this is across a fleet of 20 of thousands of arrays that yeah. can follow telemetry data. And we can identify SQL workloads, Oracle exchange, things like that. And so those actually come rooted in data, but it's blended across the entire global earthly pure customer, you know, phone home data. So really awesome. So even if that workload isn't, you have something that's representative before you bring it to, to the array. And it gives you something that honestly, no one can really do outside. I mean, it's just, it's, it's unique. It's awesome. Yeah, we'll have to do, um, we'll reserve this for, let's have you back. Let's have you back kind of on a segmented basis on a regular time. And maybe we'll dig deeper into cloud since you couldn't go further into that. And I'd love to get deeper into Pure One. I want to close because we're getting a little long on time though. Okay. Um, Portworks, the Portworks acquisition, that happened while you were gone. I left it for the last. Um, what kind of, what, what kind of fun does that add for you? Right. And again, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a pure report podcast or anything. If we didn't talk about containers and Kubernetes containers, Kubernetes, I'll just put it in there and add it, but for good reason, right. Yeah. It is, it is exciting. It is where 
the industry is or is going. I think, you know, those that are there are there and those that are needing to get there are trying to figure it out. But when you saw that come over the wire, what, what was, what was the reaction? Yeah, I was giddy and I texted, yeah. I think, I, I think I texted a, a few folks, namely John Owings immediately when it came across the wire, uh, there's a little bit of history I can share, share there with, um, with it. But what I was so excited about when I think about the flexibility of architecturally, what we can deliver for on-premises, you know, transformation for customers, you know, when you think about PaaS and maybe they are 100% going to cloud and they need something to solve today's problems, we have and have had that technology to do that. What I really saw in the acquisition of Portworx was, I mean, we we saw I think this week in some of the Giga, Giga Ohm release, um, you know, just you know, a leader in, in the Kubernetes space and containerization space and a lot of really great technology. And again, what's really unique is yes, it's super great with pure and it's super integrated with pure and can do a lot of automation, but that doesn't mean it has to sit on pure. Um, it's essentially, you know, nearly any distribution, it can sit on it nearly any cloud provider or storage provider. It's going to be super awesome if you're on pure. Um, so I was super excited to see that because I think that is the opportunity for the future. And so, you know, where are customers going to go? Are they going to go full in on one cloud provider and get, you know, sticky with function as a service that, you know, maybe, maybe is great, but over time um, we saw that, you know, we, we took our pure one, it was hundred percent cloud native. And then we changed some of the access profiles on products we brought to market, namely VM analytics. And that changed our API calls to a point where that became super cost prohibitive, like in a, in a, in a big way. And so we had to figure some things out. So the pure one team actually refactored into containers and leveraged Kubernetes and they threw a, you know, a flash blade into several of the Equinix facilities and could use elastic compute with, you yep. know, the big provider and, and come down to that. And so I think that Portworx is enabling a lot of that. Um, the reason I mentioned, I was so, so excited. I got flat footed into a meeting one day and it was a very, very large account. And, you know, we were doing an eight hour briefing, much of which I was, I was driving for them. Um, and they asked me like, Hey, what's your opinion on Portworks? And I was like, guys, time out. I, 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 this is years ago. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't, I don't know Portworks. I'll make a couple of calls with engineering. You know, by the time we go to dinner, you know, I'll, I'll share what we're thinking. And I called J.O. and he's like, oh, real deal. And I, I hope at one point we're in a position as a company to to maybe, you know, maybe there's an investment opportunity. If we if they could join the family, it would be, yeah, it would just be awesome. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really great. And so the, that entire Portworks team coming in, it's, it's awesome. Uh, fast forward to Michael Krieger you know, my original business partner, you know, he's running, uh, a, he covers my same territories. And so he's running a good portion of that organization now for pure. He just took that role. And so it's, it's awesome. So we're going to, you know, hopefully be there for customers in the future, but also solving the problems of today and then bringing that all together. I think what you're seeing is the portfolio strategy coming together in, in, in real time. We're not, we're not done. We don't have it all covered, but I'm super excited to see, you know, where we've been going and Portworks joining the family. That was a, I think I called 10 people that day. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess taking it full circle to what we started with, uh, definitely a cultural synergy. I mean, I love, I love working with the Portworx team and, uh, you know, they've been hired a couple of new individuals who are now joined at the hip with my, you know, there's the solutions marketing for Portworx, looking at how Portworx has entry points into the different solution pillars that my team represents. And, and he's awesome. And, 
Michael Ferranti, who we work oh, closely with. He's great. And I love his coffee talks awesome. and he's got his mug. I just, I consume it all the time. It's great. Keep it up. Yeah, no, his coffee talks are a riot. Some of them are public. I, I love the one he did internally for, for Sco, you know, where it was just sort of a basic, like, what is mm-hmm. Kubernetes like to, you know, to talk to the sales force where maybe they're, they're kind of getting up to speed. They're, they're kind of a riot. He's great. Uh, and you're great. This was a blast. Will you, uh, can I get you back on again? Can we, can we maybe riff? Yeah, on assuming, cloud, you're, you know? <laughs> assuming your uh, your listeners don't dive, your your account doesn't dive. I'd love to come back. Lots of things to share. You know, a lot of big ideas, a lot of big projects. You know, I've been back now just about two months, um, but my fingernails are dirty, and uh, you know, I always love you know finding some problems and going and tackling those and and trying to, you know, there there are things that come up. You know, we're not perfect, uh, but the reality of it is we have a lot of greatness, and 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 the thing that we always get welcomed with back at corporate is how do we you know how do we take this, solve it, um, and, and maybe address it, address it differently. Um, it's always been about changing a customer's expectation on what good looks like. And we strive to do that every day. We're not perfect. Um, but yeah, I'd love to come back and, and all kinds of different variants of conversations if possible. Yeah, no, let's do it. I, I do not imagine the, uh, the, the, the listener count will dip. In fact, probably should go up in my experience. These are the kinds of conversations that people want to hear. Um, and I loved it. So your debt is, is paid in full but <laughs> now I'm going to owe you by continuing to drag you on, but seriously, uh, welcome back into the fold. It's, it's great to, to have you. I look forward to having you on the program and, uh, also just, just, uh, working with you in general going forward. Last thing, last yeah. thing, yeah. thank you to you, but I can never leave any meeting without thanking our customers, partners, and then hopefully yeah. prospects, you know, um, we're nothing without them and it means a lot. And, you know, a lot of our customers have extremely extremely important mission. So I say that extremely humbly and I do mean that. Um, that's one thing we are, are maniacally focused on. So it's awesome to be here. Can't wait for future sessions and I uh, appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. Cool. Great to have you. And thanks everybody out there for listening to this episode of the Pure Report. It was absolute blast to get Kyle on. Keep telling friends, keep telling colleagues and spreading the word. And we will keep great guests like Kyle Keller coming on to the program. And with that, We will wrap for Pure Storage in Kyle Keller. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you.